We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. What an odd look around. Can you make room? Can you make room for one more? The Bible said there's always room for one more. Amen. No, lots of folks are out for lots of good reasons. And uh, we're happy for them and excited with them. I'm excited to hear the word this morning. Are you ready? Yeah. Amen. We want Brother Dwayne Stanton to come and teach to us. Only if he's going to do a good job in the will of the Lord. If he's got any questions, we'll get, uh, yeah, we'll do something different. I love you. Bless you. Let's give him and the Lord a hand clap. No pressure there, is it? All right. Well, Lord bless you. Let's, uh, well, I guess we, we all like to stand for the reading of the Word of God. All right. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. And so I'm always, I always like to joke about it. we don't always stand for all the others. I don't know why we have to stand for the first one. All the, all the rest of them don't count. Just the first one. That's the only one that matters. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. There the old, woo. And then we'll go to number two as well. I think I don't think I said number two. Hebrews six one. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. We could do a whole six weeks series on perfection, couldn't we, Brother Hathcock? Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Amen? All right. Let's, uh, you, you may be seated. We talked about numbers one time when I was teaching about all the different numbers. What is the, uh, uh, all, all the different types of numbers and what they mean and where they come from and such as that? One is always important. We believe in one is a powerful number. Huh? The first scripture, yeah. So uh, let's talk about doctrines. If we were going to guess, how many doctrines do you think there are in the Bible? One? Who said one? All right. That's... Say What? Not doctors, doctrine. <laughs> Dr. Phil don't count this morning, Brother Parker. <laughs> All right. How many doctrines do we have to live by? One? Come on. Anybody else have another guess? How many, how many would guess? <laughs> it's... There's, there's no milkshake after here if you get this right. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you there are seven, seven doctrines, the fundamental doctrines. And they're listed right here. You see this? Hebrews 6 and 1. Therefore, leaving the principle of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection. And then he goes back. Now, here's, here's something I want to say, though. This first word that we come to, therefore, everybody see that? Therefore, is it still up there? 
Therefore, now this is, this is Hebrews 6 and 1. So this is the first verse of the sixth chapter. But remember that the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. Amen? How many knew that? How many didn't know that? So th this was written as a whole letter. And right in the middle of, and I think some, some guy named Stevenson sometime back in, I don't remember what, what year I had it written down here somewhere. Oh, in 1551, Henry Stevens added chapters and verses to the Bible. There'll be a test on that later. So in chapter number six, verse number one, therefore... The first word he says, therefore. This is a word that means in summaration. In other words, let's talk from what we've just been talking about. Therefore, let us leave the principles of the doctrine. So we, when you see that word, therefore, you always need to back up a little bit and see what has he been talking about. So we, if we do that here, chapter number six, let's jump back into chapter five to see what this therefore is talking about. And it goes into, but strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even though by reason who have their senses exercised. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And uh, so he's talking about the, the life and the strength and, and you know, what we're eating and what we're believing and how strong of a Christianity that we have. And then he jumps back and says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine. And then he goes into the, the principles. So Count them here. What do you got? If you count the, count the different ones. Let us go into perfection. Not laying again the foundation of, how many we got? Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. How many is that? That's two. All right. Baptisms. Laying out of hands and a resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. How many we got there? Six. Who said six? But we want seven. I said seven, didn't I? You see where we get seven out of this yet? Think for a minute. Baptisms. You see the word baptisms? Does that give you a clue? How many baptisms are there? There we go. There's two baptisms. Baptism of water and of the Spirit. There's our seventh doctrine. So we got foundation, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptisms, Number three and number four, and then laying on of hands of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Got it? All right, we can go home now. Let's start with faith. Of course, the first thing we have to have, the first main doctrine of the Bible is faith. I didn't start my timer. Anybody else got it? All right, I got 45 minutes. We all have faith in something. I said we all have faith in something. You all have faith today. 
Y'all have faith that seat is going to hold you up. You sat down and didn't even think twice about it. Amen. Just boom, and you had faith in that pew. We all, have, we all believe in something. Even atheists have faith. I mean, to be an atheist, you've got to have a lot of faith. You've got to believe that nothing was produced, nothing produced everything. Non-life produced life. Randomness produced precision. Chaos produced order. I don't have that kind of faith, folks. You've got to have a lot of faith to be an atheist. But faith in the Bible, we learn that it is essential to believe God and His Word. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. That, that's our next verse there, Brother, uh, Brother Jim. Hebrews 11 and 1 and then 6. He that cometh to God must believe. He that cometh to God, when you first get here, you've got to believe that He is and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. All right, I'm jump. I, I, I got out of order. Hold on. Hold on. Let's jump back. The first order, the first one is repentance. I jumped on the faith. I got, got too, too much ahead of himself. The definition of repentance, repentance from dead works. That's the first doctrine of the Bible. That's my, that's my golf towel and truck. Webster's Dictionary states that repentance means to feel sorry for or self-reproach uh, of what one has or hasn't done. To feel contrite over one's sins is to change. There's two words. You ready for these words? There's two Greek words that talk about repentance. Everybody say that first one for us. That's pronounced metamelomai. Metamelomai. That means to regret or be sorry for. The second one there is metanoeo. Metanoeo. That means to think differently or change your mind or change your purpose or your opinion. In the Corinthians, Paul uses both terms in the same verse of Scripture. He says, you know, I, I, I repent that I wrote this, but I don't repent that I, that I uh, made, made uh, the church. Let me see, what's it? 2 Corinthians 7, 8. Let me find it here. 7 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8. 7, 8, and 10. Let's see, here we go. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I did not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceived the same epistle had made you sorry, though it were but for a season. So he says, I did repent, but then I didn't repent. So like, what's wrong with you? This is confusing. But he's saying, I changed my mind. I, 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 re, I regret that I did this, but I'm not sorry that I did it. Does that compute with anybody yet? You know, I can regret that I did something, even though I really don't, I'm not sorry about it. The Bible says God repented that he made man, but, he, but he's still, in a way, glad he made man. 
But for, so we have a way it's, it, to, to just repent, just to be sorry. Sometimes people just repent because they just, they, they, they're sorry they got caught. I'm not really sorry. I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to change my ways. But I'm sorry you caught me at this. That's what happened to Judas. Judas repented, could not, but he didn't. He he wasn't saved because he was just sorry that he did what he did, or he just sorry that that he got caught. But he really never changed his way. So to repent the right way means you're going to change your ways. You're going to change your your life. You're going to change everything you're really sorry and the, 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 from the sorrow of the world worketh death. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Yeah. Alright? So we have to not just change our mind but we have to change our ways. Uh, scripture reference on to repent and believe the gospel. Mark 1.15 The Lord is not willing that any would perish but that all should come to repentance and have everlasting life. That's 2 Peter 3 and 9. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, Romans 2 and 4. But now God commandeth everywhere that men will repent. The basis and the first thing anybody does, that they, if they're going to come to God and have a relationship with God, you've got to repent. Bottom line, you've got to repent and come with a repentant heart. And that's the only way to make your first step with God. That's the first and foremost foundation of the doctrine of the church repentance that's not just for people that first come to God but we have to continue to have repentance in our life after we come to God we when we're born again there's times of failures and mistakes and sin but we've got to be overcomers and we're overcomer by our repentance except ye repent you shall likewise perish right repent ye and believe the gospel I Come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. But now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So we have to continue to have a repentant life in our life even after we come to God. Amen? So let's move on to the next one. Faith toward God. That's where we started off here. I got ahead of myself. We all have faith in something. And we, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. We can displease God a lot of ways. We can do things that God don't want us to do. We can, we can make mistakes. We can make poor choices, and that displeases God. But all, and, and we know that. Oh, if I did that, oh, if I, if I went there, that would displease God. Oh, if I consumed that, that would displease God. But you know what else? Without faith, we displease God. Did we think of that? When God wants to bless you and God wants to heal you and God wants to, to do something special for you, I don't think God's going to do that for me. God's displeased. We, we, when, he wants us to claim our healing. He wants us to claim our blessing. We must first believe. He that cometh to God must first believe that He is. I said He is. You've got to know who God is. You've got to have faith in God. If you, if you want to live for Him, whoever comes, you've got to first believe that He is. Not that He was, not that He will be, He is. So that means tomorrow, He is. That means the day after that, He is. I mean, wherever you are, amen, back, back when, when you go back a week ago, guess what? He is. 
Wherever you go, God is there. God is, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Man, how many times we say, oh, God, I want this, I want this so bad, I want this so bad. And then, okay, I got to quit, I got to go somewhere. Man, you got to stay in there sometimes. And I mean, I, we, we, don't, we don't do the tearing thing like we used to. Man, when I was a kid, oh, Lord. I mean, you, you remember when we were tearing for the Holy Ghost? And I, I'm, not being, I'm not being coy. I mean, we did that. It was a common thing. I, you, I'm talking after midnight sometimes. I've seen people tearing for the Holy Ghost. And I, and I pr- and thank God for somebody being diligently seeking Him. Because I, you, you come to, I've seen people come, oh, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost tonight, you know. And, you know, after a while, your knees hurt, your arms hurt, your throat sore. And, all right, I'm done. Well, I'll try tomorrow night. That's not diligently seeking God. Whatever you want from God, when you need something from God, whether it be your healing, whether it be a financial blessing, whether it be a new job, whether it's to overcome some, some issue in your life or some, some misery in your life, folks, you've got to get diligently and diligently seek Him and believe He is. God is going to provide. God is going to bless me. God is going to do these things. I've got to believe. We've got to have faith or we don't please God. He wants to give you these things. He wants to do these things for you. We have to please him by believing him. Praise God. God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In whom you trusted and in whom also you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. You've got to repent and you got to believe in God. Now, now don't get this, don't get this uh, confused. I mean, there's doctrines out there that think that's all you got to do is just believe. Oh, I, I believe and now I'm saved. Well, there's more to it than that. Amen? Because even the devil believes. He's not saved, is he? I don't think. So, faith, how do we get faith? How do we get faith? Come on. Yes. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why we got to go to church. That's why we got to listen to the preacher. Because if we don't hear the word, we may start losing some faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? Of the word of God. And we hear we got to mix it with faith for it to profit us. Our journey toward God and salvation begins when we hear the word of God and believe it. And we give mental and verbal understanding to God and his word. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Faith leads to salvation. Because if we don't believe and we don't have faith in salvation, we're going to be lost. We, we can't allow the devil to confuse our minds and, and get us mixed up. He that cometh to God must believe he is. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. By f- grace we are saved through faith. I said by grace we are saved through faith. You can't be saved if you don't have faith. Whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood. We, we don't get anywhere. We don't get off of, uh, off of home plate 
until we have faith in all the things that God does and be buried with him in baptism, ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? Everything hinges and pivots on faith in what God is doing, what, who God is, and what God is going to do for us. Praise the Lord. By whom also we have access by faith into His grace wherein we stand. Receiving the spirit of the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. We don't get healing unless we have faith. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, right? Without faith it is impossible to please Him. We have victory in our lives every day. That's us after we've come to God and gone through the salvation process. There is victory. This is the victory that overcometh the world. What? Even our faith. Everybody say faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You remember that song? Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You know, we're all given a measure of faith, and then we have to build to it and add to it and, and continue to, to make it big in our life. Understanding, to, to, we have to have understanding, and that comes through faith. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Justification, we have to have justification in our life every day. As, as a believer, as a born-again believer, we still have to continue to have justification and justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace through God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what justified means? It's easy. It's justified, never sinned. You ever heard that before? Justified, never sinned. That's what the word justified means. Knowing that man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Wherefore, the law is our schoolmaster, bringing us into Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Y'all think faith is important? Hallelujah. All right. Let's move on. Look at that. I skipped all them pages and got to them all quick. All right. Now we come into baptism. So we got repentance of dead works, faith in God, and now we have baptism. How many baptisms are there? You got two. Everybody say two. Dose. All right. So there are two, two baptisms. One is water, and one is spirit. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We would, and I'm not going to, we, we went through the baptism. We went through, what, four weeks of pastor talking about the power of baptism and um, how to be baptized. So I'm not going to belabor it. I think we got it. But it's important to know that we must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. Why is, why is baptism so important? What does baptism do for us? 
What does it do? Cleanses us. Washes away our sins. It's one thing to have forgiveness of your sins, and we all have forgiveness. We just talked about repentance. When you repent, your sins are forgiven. But the Bible says some men's sins follow them to the judgment. Other men's sins go before them to the judgment. How, how depressing that would be. Live your whole life repenting and repenting and repenting, cleansing yourself, trying to do right, and repenting and, and getting forgiveness, and stand before judgment, and all your sins are still right there behind you. Now, you're forgiven, but the Bible says some men's sins will follow them all the way to the judgment. Why? Why does somebody's sins follow them to the judgment? Because they didn't get them washed away. How sad is that to go through your whole Christian life not having your sins completely washed away and remitted. Jesus forgave sins before he went to Calvary. So he could forgive sins all day long, but Calvary was there. I mean, if, if he could forgive sins and for, forgiving sins is all we needed, then why did Jesus have to go, why did, we, why did he have to die? Why was that important? But he died for the remission of our sins. That we are clean through the application of his blood through baptism. We have received remission of sins through baptism in his name. Except a man be born of the end of the water of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's Matthew 28, 19. But Acts 2, 38 is the fulfillment I said the fulfillment of Matthew 28, 19. Hallelujah. Years ago, how many of you ever heard of the name G.T. Haywood? G.T. Haywood was the old patriarch, pioneer of the oneness apostolic movement. But he was a Trinitarian, believed, didn't, didn't baptize in Jesus' name. He baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He believed that there were three. But Andrew Ershon came in from overseas and walked into his office and said, I have a word for you, Brother Haywood. Matthew, uh, Acts 2.38 is the fulfillment of Matthew 28.19. And when he said that, Brother Haywood jumped from his desk and began spinning around his office like a top. And, and, and he began to, to get the Holy Ghost. And, and it, it was the revelation. I mean, it just revealed that moment. It, it hit him, and he understood, and, and he started baptizing. He got himself baptized, and he baptized everybody else in the name of Jesus. But that, because of that revelation, I, I had the privilege to preach for the man whose father was in the office that day. So I got this second-handed from, uh, through Bishop Hay, uh, Taylor. So what a revelation. What an understanding. Matthew 28, 19 is fulfilled in the Scripture of Acts 2.38. So we understand that the name is what? Jesus. I said the name is? Jesus. Hallelujah. So we got that, right? You must repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission, for the remission of your sins. And then we come to the baptism of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is the comforter that Jesus sends back to the hearts and souls of those that believe in Him. He purchased the church with his own blood. Beginning on the day of Pentecost. Speaking with other tongues is, a, is an evidence of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. This experience is today, and it is essential 
in our lives. We must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. John the Baptist said when he was talking about Jesus, he said, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I'm just baptizing you with water, but He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So you have both of them right there. I'm baptizing you in water, and He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's both of them in one shot. And they were all filled, Acts 2 and 4, all filled with the Holy Ghost. and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Experiencing the Holy Ghost is life's most exciting event. And we are honored and blessed to have that experience in our life. The angels don't get that. The old patriarchs of old didn't get that. We got something that none of them got. They, they all wished they could get it. They wanted Moses said, can I see your glory? God says, you can't see my glory. But we beheld his glory. Amen. All right, jumping right along. That's, uh, what, three more? Three more. So we got repentance from dead works, faith in God, baptism in water, baptism of the Spirit, and now laying on of hands. There's a lot of things, we, and we don't talk about laying on of hands a lot. But laying on of hands is a very vital part of the church. It's a vital part of living for God and Christianity and the blessings of God. A lot of the things happen with laying on of hands. Blessings. The Bible said Jesus laid his hands on the children and blessed them. Uh, faith was an active force with these instances. Faith, uh, but he also, uh, uh, in the Old Testament, they would lay hands on and get blessings, Jacob and Isaac and Esau, all of them, you would impart blessings to people by laying over hands. Laying over hands has always been a vital part of, of God's people. And, and I think we miss out on it sometimes because we may not fully understand the importance and, and the, the magnitude of it. So we'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, leadership, when, when Paul, and, Paul and Barnabas went out to their journey, all the people gathered around the, and laid hands on them to bless them and send them out as their leaders. The seven men were chosen to serve the tables in the early, early church, and the apostles gathered around and laid hands on them for, to give them power of their responsibilities. Receiving the Holy Ghost comes with laying on of hands. Ananias was there, and Paul laid hands on him, and he received the Holy Ghost. At Ephesus, Paul laid his hands on those, uh, I said that wrong, and Ananias laid hands on Paul, Saul, and Saul got the Holy Ghost. At Ephesus, Paul laid his hands on those that said, well, we, we, we've only been baptized in John's baptism. So he baptized them in Jesus' name, and then he laid his hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. Now, laying hands on somebody doesn't mean they're automatically going to get the Holy Ghost. God does it in different ways, but in several instances in the Bible, we see where laying on hands, people would receive the Holy Ghost. Of course, healing. Healing is a big deal. The Bible has many, many references about healing through the laying on of hands. All the saints are allowed to lay hands on the sick, but scripturally it, it, doesn't, uh, it shows that only the ministry anoints with oil. But we're all, as, as lay people, lay hands on people and they can be healed through our laying on of hands. But uh, laying over hands by the ministry. Ministers are to anoint with oil in the name of the Lord, asking God to heal the sick, and laying on, uh, don't always have to have oil to lay for people to be healed, but that's scripturally that when you anoint them with oil, they can be 
healed and their sins be forgiven. So there's a lot of responsibility when we lay hands on somebody. We, we, we've got to, we, we need to be living right. Uh, Sceva's seven sons are an example of that. They thought they were going to lay hands and cast out Satan. And he said, who are you? They didn't know who you are. Simon was not right with God. Now Simon, Simon was full of the Holy Ghost. He'd been baptized in Jesus' name. Obviously he had repented, but he says, I, I want to buy this so I can lay hands and get that people. So his, Paul, uh, the, the apostle said, Peter rebuked him, said, you know, you, you're not right with God. Your heart's not right. So you've got to have your heart right if you're going to lay hands on somebody. So we, it's a responsibility to lay hands on somebody. But, but it is something that we need to be prepared to do. It's part of the doctrines. We are supposed to be laying hands on people and things happen. Blessing, helping people be blessed, helping people be healed. That's part of our duty as a, as a believer. We've got to have the right motive. Man, we, how many times you, you hear these guys laying hands on somebody and they get healed and say, yeah, come here, I'll, let me do, let me do that for you too. Well, this guy's motive's wrong. If, if laying on hands somebody blesses you or heals you, Wonderful, thank God for it. But I'm not going to put my name on a sign and, and now I'm going to be Dwayne's healing minister. I'd be afraid of that. So our motives have to be right. And faith is required. We've got to believe and know faith in Jesus Christ healed the lame man. That's what Acts 3 and 1 says. Isaac and Japheth had faith when they laid hands on others in Hebrews 11 and 20. The prayer of faith will save the sick when we lay hands on them. So we ought to have faith. We have to know if you're going to lay hands on somebody, you need to have faith that God's going to do what he's, he's asked you to do. Because the person standing here is expecting to receive something. I mean, look at that. The, the, uh, oh, the preacher preached about it. Just, uh, was, oh, brother, brother, brother David talked about uh, Peter and John going to the temple. And the man looked up expecting to receive something. Yeah. Right? So Peter and John had better have something. So the same thing can happen to us. Somebody walks into this church, walks up to the front. I believe if they walk to the front, they're expecting to receive something. So we go over and lay our hands on them, and we don't have the faith that we're supposed to have. We are going to hinder that person from getting what they need. That's why the Bible says lay hands on no man suddenly. My mother needs to read that scripture. She laid hands on me suddenly all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> Amen. But no, we, 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 we shouldn't walk up willy-nilly and just lay our hands on people like that unless we know God's about to do something and God moves you. There's a lot of, uh, of, of there's, there's some obligations here. Because we are imparting our faith imparting to them. And when something happens of our laying on of hands, we just built that person's faith. And we've created somebody that has more faith in their life. Amen? All right. Quickly, I'll, I'll think I'm about out of time because I started my timer late. Resurrection of the dead. All right. We've got the seven doctors. We're down to four, five now, five. That was number five, Brother Rusty. 
All right. So uh, resurrection of the dead. Resurrection in scriptures are, are where God has raised people from the dead. Widow's son was raised. Shunammite's son was raised. Elisha's tomb raised somebody. Jairus' daughter. A lot of instances in the Bible where people were raised from the dead. So it's a very powerful understanding and doctrine of, to believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's who Jesus dealt with and Paul even dealt with in the Corinthian church. The Sadducees, you had the Pharisees and you had the Sadducees. Some people don't know which one is which. I'll tell you how to tell the difference. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they were Sadducee. So now you understand. But if we don't believe in the resurrection, people, we have problems. Everything we have, everything we're living for is, is null and void. That means Christ didn't rise. That means our preaching is in vain. That means our faith is in vain, Corinthians 15 and 14. That means we are false witnesses of God. All the disciples, they were liars. If we don't believe in the resurrection, if resurrection is not real, everything we have, everything we know is, is, is gone. Corinthians 15, 17, we are yet in our sins. That means we have no, we, we have no remission of sins. Jesus didn't die and buried and resurrect. We have nothing here. Those who sleep in Christ have perished. We, as, we sorrow as others and we have no hope. So we have to believe in the resurrection. That is the, that, that, that's where it all hinges on. We've got to believe, not just that everybody, Jairus' daughter, the, the Shunammite's woman's son, all of them, we have to understand that every instance was real, every instance was right, every instance was true. God can raise people from the dead. He raised those people. He raised the saints in, in the New Testament. He raised Jesus from the dead. There's how many resurrections? Y'all love these trick questions. There's two resurrections. There's what's called the first resurrection and then the last resurrection or the second resurrection. First resurrection began with, with Christ. He was the, the first fruits of the first resurrection. The saints came out of the tomb when, uh, during the time of, of Christ's time on the cross. Um, the rapture of the church will be part of the first resurrection. In the book of Revelation, the two witnesses die and they're resurrected. So there's a lot of different, different uh, examples and parts in the first resurrection. The second resurrection will come after the millennial reign, after the tribulation and all that part. You don't want to be part of the second resurrection. That's not a good one to be a part of. We want to be ready and born again, living right, so we can be a part of the first resurrection. Because all the people that come into the second resurrection, they're not in a good spot. They're going to the, the judgment. And we don't want to be there. So, we want to be all going up, all going up. We're all going up in that first resurrection. We're all going up. You don't know that song? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So we've got to believe in the resurrection. 
It's vital, not just for us, because there are people right now that could have been raised from the dead. There, God has raised people in, in our lifetime from the dead. We believe God can do it. He has done it, and He will do it again. So we've got to be a believer in the resurrection of the dead. It's a fundamental doctrine of the church. And the last one, eternal judgment. I'm 14 pages, people. I'm on the last one. Eternal judgment. This, there is a certainty of judgment, folks. And we got to believe this. we got to understand this. If you don't believe in eternal judgment, you're probably not going to... You're not going to care about a whole lot. Eternal judgment makes us walk the line. God will bring every work to judgment. Ecclesiastes 11 and 9. Hebrews 9, 27. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the what? The what? The judgment. The Bible is clear on who will judge us. God will judge us all in Hebrews 12, 23. Isaiah 33, 22, the Lord is our judge. A day is appointed which he will judge the world by Jesus Christ. All judgment is given to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one true manifested, one true God manifested in the flesh. He's going to sit on the throne of judgment as the judge of all humanity. The Bible says there'll be the dead, small and great, will stand before God, right? And they'll be judged. Out of the books. Right? What books are going to be judged out of? 66. 66 books they are going to be judged. But what's in this and how they lived according to this word. Amen? That's why we got to know the word. Read it. Hear, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by this word. Because we're going to live by it. We're going to die by it. And we're going to be judged by it. You, got, you can't stay. We don't serve a God of ignorance. Well, God, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I sent you preachers. I sent you the prophets. I sent you the word. We, we're going to stand without excuse. Amen? Jesus taught the doctrine of eternal judgment so explicitly. There should be no misunderstanding what he meant. God, I'm going to divide the goats from the sheep, the right hand to the left, and you're going to be judged, and, and you're going to answer for all your actions. A day of accounting before Almighty God awaits the living and the dead. We who are alive can decide what, day, what that day will be like. It's up to us to decide how the judgment day is going to be. I don't want to stand before him at that judgment, the white throne judgment. I want to be ahead of, ahead of that, of the rapture, what's called the judgment seat of Christ. The rapture is considered the judgment seat of Christ. That's where, I, that's where I'm up my judgment be. You're living right, the rapture takes place, you're judged right then and there. You made it. You're flying to heaven. That's your judge. That's the judgment I want. Amen. But there is going to be that judgment. And if you don't make that, then you're going to have the, the white throne judgment. And you don't want that one. We're going to live right, walk right, talk right, act right, sing right. So I can go up in the first resurrection. If you're lost today, you need to, it's time today to turn from all that you've done. Repent. Turn your life around. Change your life. Change your ways. Change your mind. Believe in Him. Have faith in Him. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. And live 
live righteous. Amen. Seven basic doctrines of the church. We got them. Amen. God bless you this morning.